Let's pray and we'll ask God for his help. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we do pray now that as we reflect on this first chapter of Proverbs, that you'll motivate us to love your wisdom. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. In the English language, there are lots and lots of Proverbs. What I mean by Proverbs is kind of short, pithy sayings that express traditional wisdom. I bet you actually know dozens and dozens of English Proverbs. I hope so because it's going to not work if you don't. Uh, so let me give you a little bit of a test. I'm going to start some English proverbs, and then I want you to say together out loud if you can finish them for me. Okay, this worked really well at 9 o'clock, but 9 o'clock has a lot more white faces. <laughs> so we'll see how we go today. You ready? A bird in the hand. A miss is as good as? A mile. Yeah. A picture is worth a thousand, a thousand words. A poor workman always blames a rolling stone gathers a stitch in time. A washed pot never boils. Absence makes the heart actions speak louder. Better late. Better to have loved and lost. Very good, this is working really well. Uh, don't, don't bite the hand. Don't mix business. Don't put all your eggs. Don't throw the baby out. Uh, early to bed and early to rise makes a man... He who pays the piper... Calls the tune, yeah, a little bit less common that one. Very important one though. Uh, if at first you don't succeed, if the shoe fits, if you can't beat them, the early bird, the squeaky wheel, gets the grease. Never judge a book. No news is no pain. That's great. <laughs> People who live in glass houses. Uh, all the tiger mums. So just leave this to see if the tiger mums can answer this one. Okay. Practice makes. <laughs> it's the second hour of piano practice that really matters, isn't it, each day? Stupid ears as. The bigger they are. <laughs> what goes up? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. There you go. Amazing, isn't it? Did you know you knew so many proverbs? <laughs> uh, there are hundreds and hundreds of them. It's amazing how many we actually do know. Uh, both, my grandfathers, uh, both my grandfathers used to say a lot of proverbs. Um, I remember a couple from my mum's dad, my opa. He used to say, uh, silence is the only successful substitute for intelligence. He also used to say, uh, be sure to engage brain before putting mouth into gear. Good sayings. My other grandfather, he used to say, you probably know this one. Actually, I suspect you don't. He used to say, if a job's worth doing, he used to say, if a job's worth doing, it's worth paying someone to do it for you. (laughs) (laughs) Or there's the saying that my wife puts into practice each night. One good turn. No, 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 not that one. One good turn. 
gets most of the blanket. <laughs> we use proverbs all the time, and, and most of them are good advice. There's wisdom to be found in Proverbs. Well, today we start this 12-week series on the biblical book of Proverbs. The thing, is, the thing about this book, though, it's, we're going to deal with it a little bit differently from the way we've dealt with every other book in the Bible, and that's because of the nature of the book. So part of the book has kind of sections of prose, uh, and we're going to do with those sections what we do with every other book in the Bible. We're just going to work through them verse by verse, chapter by chapter. So that'll be chapters 1 to 9, and also chapter 31. We'll deal with them like we normally do. But then chapters 10 to chapter 30... It's a whole lot of these kind of short sayings and I've worked hard to try to see how they fit together but it seems to me there's not a, not a particular order for the most part for them. You've got proverbs about different things all mixed in together in the chapters. I think it would be very difficult to work through it uh, chapter by chapter. So what we're going to do instead, we, I've chosen seven themes, now, family, words, you know, the king, that, that kind of thing. And what we'll do with each of those themes is we'll gather together a few proverbs from chapters 10 to 30 and try to get a kind of an overall picture of God's wisdom from proverbs about those themes. Okay. Well, let's dive in then. Let's have a look at chapter 1. Our very first section of chapter 1 tells us about the person responsible for the book of Proverbs. Uh, most of the Proverbs were written by King Solomon. That's King Solomon, who was the son of King David, the king over Israel. Historically, we're looking at around about 950 BC. Proverbs chapter one and have a, uh, Proverbs chapter one and verse one. Have a look with me. Proverbs chapter one and verse one. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Uh, next section. Next section. We see the purpose of Proverbs. What are these Proverbs for? Well, like with most Proverbs. They're designed to make us wise. But notice the kind of wisdom that the biblical book of Proverbs gives. It's described by a few different English words here. There's instruction. So Proverbs will teach us. It'll give us knowledge about God and ourselves and our world. More than just knowledge, though, there are words like prudence. Prudence means to, to be careful, not silly or gullible or rash. Also, words like insight will be able to See clearly what the best thing is. But, but notice also this, that the wisdom the Proverbs gives us is it's godly wisdom. It's possible, of course, to use wisdom uh, for, for evil purposes. You can be wise as a criminal. You, you can use wisdom to get the better of people. You can be selfish with wisdom. You, you can do wrong with wisdom. I mean, the wisest of all the animals was... The serpent in, in Genesis chapter 3. But that's not what this wisdom is like. Now, this wisdom shows us not just the best thing to do, but the, the, the right thing to do, the fair thing, the, the good thing, the just thing in the different circumstances of our lives. There in verse 2. Here's the purpose of Proverbs, verse 2. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair. Now we see the, the benefit of, different, of Proverbs for, for different kinds of people. Gullible people, simple people can learn to be more prudent, less gullible. Uh, young people can learn discretion. They can learn how to just be appropriate 
in, in different circumstances. Uh, the wise can also get wiser. They can learn from the wisdom, understand the wisdom of other people. Verse 4. Forgiving prudence to those who are simple. Knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. You can learn from other wise people. So what's the purpose of Proverbs? To make us wiser. Not just with knowledge, with godly knowledge, and with godly knowledge, how we can apply that godly knowledge to life so we can live well as God's people in, in his world. I reckon that's wisdom worth having. Don't you hear? And now in verse 7 we see the starting point. The key to understanding this biblical book of Proverbs is this. We need to fear the Lord. Now that word Lord there, you can see it's all in capital letters. That's not because the Bible is yelling at you. Uh, the Lord all in capital letters. It, it's, the, it, it's a way of talking about uh, the name that God used when he revealed himself to Moses. When he entered into covenant with Israel. Uh, and when he gave Israel their law. So in context, fear of the Lord means understanding who Israel's God is. It means realising that he is the king and judge of this world. It means realising that he's the saviour of his people. And it means, well, it means being scared enough of him that you do what he says. For Israel, that meant living in covenant as his people. It meant obeying his law. Now, later on, we'll think about what this means, how this applies to us as Christians. But, but the point is this. The starting point for wisdom in the book of Proverbs is to know and to fear the God who made this world and who made people and who made you and who has entered into relationship with his people. Uh, but fools... That is, people who reject the God of Israel, who don't want to be in relationship with him, who want to run life their own way, fools will get nothing from this wisdom. Fools will, in fact, they'll hate the wisdom of Proverbs. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right, what have we got so far? Uh, these are Proverbs, mostly written by King Solomon, designed to give us wisdom, and they're grounded in relationship with the God of Israel. So, so God's people can know how best to live in his world. Our next section. Next section, the author speaks as a father to his son. And he calls on his son to listen to the wisdom of his parents. Because the thing is this, there are lots of other voices out there. Sinful voices, enticing voices, tempting voices, voices that could lead the son astray. The father wants his son to not give in to these people. Verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. And now we learn more about these enticing sinners. Firstly, they offer danger and violence and excitement. Verse 11, 
If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for innocent blood, let's ambush some harmless soul, let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. There's danger and there's also easy money, verse 11, verse 13, sorry. Verse 13, we'll get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. There's danger and easy money. They also offer that you can be part of the gang. They offer acceptance and belonging. Peer pressure, we call it. Verse 14, cast lots with us. We'll all share the loot. But the dad warns his son, these people are evil. They will get what's coming to them. So don't join in with them. Don't follow them. Verse 15. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into evil. They're swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie and wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain takes away the life of those who get it. The world hasn't changed much, has it? Uh, Especially for young men. Danger, easy money, peer pressure, they're still big temptations. They tempt us to be foolish. Over the last couple of years, I've been teaching my sons, Daniel and Joel, to, to, to drive. And one of the main lessons I have to keep drilling home to them is this, take it slowly. Take it easy. Drive carefully. Don't get overconfident and don't fall for the excitement and danger of driving too fast. My sons are forbidden from having other people in the car or their mates in the car for the first year or so of their driving because it's so easy to want to try to impress people and for the thrill of driving fast. I keep saying to my boys, a car is not a toy. You hold your life and the lives of your passengers and the lives of other people on the road in your hands. Plenty of English proverbs about it. Uh, Look before you. Haste makes waste. Now, my my boys are pretty sensible. Certainly way more sensible than I was. I think I wrote my father's car off four times in my first few years of driving. But uh, dangerous driving is one of the biggest killers of young men. Not just young men in cars, though, is it? Uh, The thrill of danger causes people to do all sorts of foolish things. Skydiving pops into mind. Not to mention... Surfing with sharks, skiing, skateboarding, camping, (laughs) pretty much any contact sport, the list goes on. Um, And the list seems to get longer as I get older and more risk averse. Uh, the, uh, The thrill of danger tempts people to foolishness. Same with the temptation to easy money. Just go up to the RSL here and you'll see it. And it's mostly Chinese people. People throwing away their money on the pokies in the hope of getting easy money. My dad has a proverb about it. I think it's his own. He says, uh, gambling is a taxation on stupidity. It's true, but did you know in 2017, Australians spent $24 billion on gambling? $24 billion. Put it in perspective, that is $1,000 for every man, woman and child in the country. As the saying goes, a fool and his money are soon parted. 
It's been parted. And all that glitters is not gold. Uh, the temptation to easy money, or, I mean, it could also tempt us to lots of other foolish things as well. I mean, ignorant and speculative investment on the stock market, getting involved in pyramid schemes. And then, of course, there's peer pressure. And that's the pressure that you feel to do stuff so you can fit in with other people, so you can be part of the gang. And it's still a big influence, isn't it? Especially for young men and for young women as well, I guess. <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you many of the really stupid things I did as a young man, but they were pretty much all to impress my peer group. Uh, through peer pressure, people get involved in all kinds of foolish stuff, don't they? Uh, bullying, drugs and alcohol, sex, crime. Peer pressure is a big voice in the lives of young people. But do we ever really grow out of it? I don't think we do, even as adults. The desire is still there. It's very strong, isn't it, to fit in. It's still a big motivator. As the Bible says, bad company corrupts good character. Well, that's the second section. Uh, the dad warning his son, listen to me, listen to your mum, he says, don't get caught up in the enticement of sinners with their, with their plots of excitement and danger and ill-gotten gain. Don't, don't, don't give in to the peer pressure, listen instead to godly wisdom. Last section. Uh, last section, let, let, me, let me broaden your horizons and tell you that the last section uses a literary technique. It's a literary technique called personification. Personification. What he does, he turns wisdom into a person. Let me broaden your horizons even more. I, I, this doesn't work in English, and I, I don't know if it works in Asian languages either, but it certainly works in European languages. In many languages, German, French, Italian, uh, you have uh, the language is gendered. So, uh, for example, the table in Italian is a female word. The, the, the car is a female word. Um, there's nothing female about a car or a table, but it's, just, it's, it's grammatically feminine. Hebrew, you have the same thing. There's grammatical, masculine and feminine. And the word wisdom, chokhmah, is a, is a, it's grammatically a feminine word. And so when you personify wisdom, she becomes a woman. And woman wisdom here is calling out. She's, she's passionately calling out to people, listen to me, listen to me. If we listen, she says, she says she'll reveal more and more of her teaching and we'll live good lives, safe, at ease, without harm. But if we won't listen... She says, we will pay the price. She says, she'll have no sympathy for us. She, she, if we mock her, she will mock us. Our foolishness will be our destruction. Verse 20. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out at the city gate. She makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour my thoughts out to you. I'll make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. Sorry. Then they will call to me. 
but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Can you see? It's binary. Wisdom brings life and peace in God's world. Foolishness brings destruction. It's one or the other. Take your pick. Seems an obvious choice, though, doesn't it? Okay. Can you see what's here, then, in Proverbs chapter 1? first section tells us the purpose of Proverbs. They're written to grow us in godly wisdom, grounded in the fear of the Lord. A second section, fathers warning his son, avoid the enticement of sinners who offer danger and ill-gotten gain and belonging. A third section then, wisdom. Wisdom herself calls out to us to, to listen to her. She says, life and peace if we do, destruction if we don't. All right then, let's, let's, uh, let's now think about uh, applying this passage to ourselves. How are we going to apply chapter 1 of Proverbs to our own lives? Friends, there are lots of Proverbs in, in English and, and there is wisdom to be found in them. But here in the book of Proverbs, we're going to see wisdom from God himself. A wisdom that can bring us life and peace. And so over these next 12 weeks as we look at the book, I've just got a couple of challenges for you. First challenge, be at church and Bible study. Learn with us from God's wisdom in Proverbs. There are lots of other voices out there. Every time you turn on the TV, every time you switch on the internet, you're going to hear voices and many of them will be, will be tempting you to foolishness. So, so come and listen to God's wisdom. Because I say, especially in this series, um, can I encourage you to do the work yourself as well? Uh, so second challenge is spend time in Proverbs by yourself. Uh, can I encourage you to use the guide that you've been given today? As, as I said before, we're not going to get to read through the whole of Proverbs together. So it'll be a really helpful adjunct for you, to, um, for, for you to actually work through the book of Proverbs yourselves and get the whole big picture. And then part of, of uh, working through the book of Proverbs yourselves, can I, can I encourage you? I reckon we should learn a few Proverbs. I reckon we should learn 12 Proverbs, one a week. Memorise one a week. So each week what I'm going to do is give you something to memorise. And I'll put it on your outline and you can see on the end of your outline there. Uh, at the end there I've put one for this week. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. Maybe you already know it. If you don't, it'd be great to memorise this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, come. Come to church and Bible study. Study Proverbs with us. Study it by yourself. Memorise it. A third application from today's passage is this. Just think about those competing voices. Ask yourself, am I a person who takes foolish risks for, for the thrill? Ask yourself, am I a person who's tricked by the promise of easy money, of ill-gotten gain? 
ask yourself, am I a person who is tempted to do foolish things to impress others? Are these voices that I'm listening to, are they leading me to do foolish things? If so, do what the dad here says. Don't give in to their enticements. Do what woman wisdom says. Listen to her instead. Let's, let's strive to be people with godly wisdom. Last thing I want to say is this. As Christians, there is heaps that we can learn from the book of Proverbs. and We can learn from it as it is. It's wisdom for life in God's world. But also we as Christians know this. The ultimate wisdom of God is found in the gospel. It's found in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus for our salvation. It's in the gospel that we see the ultimate holy hatred of sin. And we learn to truly fear the Lord. It's in the gospel also, though, that we learn of the, the, the magnificent love of God for sinners. And, and it's in the gospel that we see God's extraordinarily, wonderfully wise plan to be both just and to justify those who have faith in Jesus. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians. I've put it on your outline there. He says, We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is, foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. It's in Christ that we find God's ultimate wisdom. And it's in Christ that we'll find ultimate life and safe and health, health and peace, the, the things that wisdom promises. And so friends, if you want to fear the Lord, the starting point is to put your faith in Jesus. That's the beginning. To, to flee from the wrath of God, to take refuge in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, to take hold of the life and safety and peace that are found in Christ alone. Friends, Jesus is the ultimate wisdom of God. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for this offer of wisdom. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to be people who set our hearts on understanding and knowing and deeply imbibing your wisdom, that we may live right and good lives in your world and in relationship with you. We thank you for your ultimately wise plan of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is able to enable you to be both just and to justify those who trust in him. Help us to fear you and to trust our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name.